this prayer together. Uh, Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. I want to start my message with a couple of paragraphs from an article that I was reading the other day. The author stated, God has been speaking to me a great deal about understanding strategies in spiritual warfare. Most believers, if they are serious about spiritual warfare, tend to do so by the seat of their pants. For them, spiritual warfare is like occasionally confronting a bully on the playground in elementary school. They are aware of the event, but are never aware of the long game of warfare. Strategic warfare is a concept that is foreign to them. Unfortunately, the enemy is quite familiar with strategic warfare. In fact, it is the only game he plays. What is the end result of this? Most believers, the author says, approach spiritual warfare like they are either playing checkers or even worse, dodgeball. Satan always plays chess. He strategically weaves things into the body of Messiah and society over decades and even generations. I believe this is one reason the moral majority has become the minority without a clue. Friends, I just want to encourage us today that without a shadow of doubt, I can tell you that the enemy of your soul and mine <coughs> wants us to put our head in the sand, to give in to complacency and indifference, allowing him to get the upper hand in our personal lives, our families, our congregation, our communities, our country, and even our world. And I believe God wants to remind us once again this morning uh, of that really reality and to encourage us to be alert and to be sober-minded. Often we are encouraged that in the New Covenant and to stand our ground in the face of hell's strategies. It's time that we stop giving uh, inches to him, which becomes feet, uh, so that little by little he gains control of our emotions, uh, of our children, our minds, our family, our lives, and just continues to take over. While we tend to want to disengage from the battle, and my husband and I were talking about this a little this week, the truth is the battle continues whether we actively participate in it or not. And by shrinking back to what we perceive as safety, and the book of Hebrews talks about this, or Corinthians said about, we're encouraged, don't shrink back thinking you will be safe, because when you shrink back, you'll be destroyed. So when we shrink back into perceived safety, or if we give in to apathy, compromise, passiveness, what we are doing is actively opening the door uh, to health success in our lives. <clears throat> so today's message is entitled Confronting the Enemy. And I want to encourage us this morning to stand firm in our faith, fighting with all of our might to see um, his purposes and plans against our lives thwarted. We've talked on this topic many times in the years past, but uh, God repeats things in his word for a reason. It's because we easily forget, <laughs> and as life goes on, 
And I believe this is a season where he wants to remind us of this. The Bible describes hell's plans, purpose, and strategy and gives us a prescription for walking in victory over that. Um, this message cannot cover all of those strategies, so I want to focus on one area this morning, which I feel is a key to our victory. And one of the greatest strategies that the enemy uses against the believer is lying, his lies, which, if believed, cripple us and prevent us from walking in, in victory. And I believe one of the major lies the enemy uh, speaks to us is concerns God's love and God's position towards us. The enemy will use phrases like this, God doesn't really love you, or this wouldn't be happening to you. If God really loved you, you would not be in such pain. God doesn't care about what you are going through. If God cared, he wouldn't let you suffer. All of those are meant to undermine God's love and God's plan and purpose, as Evan shared in his uh, Devar Torah, uh, which are good purposes and plans towards us. But all of those things that the enemy would whisper in our mind are meant to undermine God's great love and faithfulness and compassion towards us. One of the other strategies that I believe the enemy uses in his lies towards us is this word never. He says, you'll never be totally free. You have no future. You might as well give up. He says, it'll never get any better. You will never be healed. Your marriage will never improve. Your family will never come to faith. Your child will never come back to God. Your finances will never improve. It will never get any better. You'll never amount to anything. Yeshua people will never accept Yeshua, etc., etc. We see the pattern, right? Never. This will never happen for you. And his intention in all of these nevers is to create fear in you and me. And this morning, I want to once again expose these lies in all of these statements and others that you and I hear from the enemy so that we can recognize his strategy. You know, Rav Shaul tells us we are not unaware of the schemes of the enemy, but as that author mentioned in the, uh, that article that I was reading, so often as believers, we are clueless because we don't want to be engaged and we don't approach this battle with the forces of darkness in the same way that Satan approaches it. He's very strategic in what he does because bottom line, he wants to take you out. Just plain and simple. He wants to take you out. He wants to take me out. And whatever he can do to accomplish that, and by take you out, I mean he wants to prevent you from entering into eternity with God. That's his ultimate goal. So whatever way he can discourage your relationship with God, he will do that. And again, lies, I believe, is one of the greatest tools. We've talked about this before. The battleground of your mind is where it is bombarded daily with one lie after another that hell is trying, those fiery darts that he shoots at our minds to confuse us 
and to uh, paralyze us and ultimately, again, to make our relationship with God suffer that we pull back and that we are not victorious and we don't live in the fullness of what God has for us. Yochanan, John 8, 14, says this of the devil. When he tells a lie, he is speaking in character because he is a liar. Indeed, he is the inventor of, of lies. So what is the greatest way to combat lies? To speak the truth, right? And so this morning, I want us to look at the truth of God's word in several areas. To speak the truth over you, me, the congregation, to confront the lies that hell has been feeding us. This is a battle strategy that God has given to us. And I'm using as my text, Yeshiahu, Isaiah chapter 41, verses 8 through 20. But you, Israel, my servant, Yaakov, whom I have chosen, descendants of Abraham, my friend, I have taken you from the ends of the earth, summoned you from its most distant parts, and said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you, not rejected you. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be distressed, for I am your God. I give you strength. I give you help. I support you with my victorious right hand. All those who were angry with you will be disgraced, put to shame, Those who fought against you will be destroyed, brought to nothing. You will seek them, but not find them. Those who contended with you, yes, those who made war with you, will be brought to nothing, nothing at all. For I, Adonai, your God, say to you, as I hold your right hand, have no fear, I will help you. Have no fear, Yaakov. You worm, your men of Israel, I will help you, says Adonai. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. I will make you into a threshing sledge, new with sharp pointed teeth, to thresh the mountains and crush them to dust, to reduce the hills to shaft. As you fan them, the wind will carry them off, and the whirlwind will scatter them. Then you will rejoice in Adonai, you will glory in the Holy One of Israel." The poor and needy look for water in vain. Their tongues are parched with thirst. I, Adonai, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not leave them. I will open up rivers on the barren hills and wells down in the broad valleys. I will turn the desert into a lake and dry ground into springs. I will plant the deserts with cedars, acacias, myrtles, and olive trees. In the Ariah, I will put cypresses together with elm trees and larches. Then the people will see and know, together observe and understand that the hand of Adonai has done this, that the Holy One of Israel created it. Amen. To the reading of the word. So there are seven truths in this passage that I want to speak today, truths that I believe we need to hear to combat the lies that hell is speaking to us. The first one is that you are chosen by God. Turn to your neighbor and speak that truth. You are chosen by God. In the New Covenant, we see this reiterated in 1 Thessalonians 1.4, as Rav Shaul is writing to this uh, Kehilah in the city of Thessalonica, and he says, we know, brothers, that God has loved 
and chose, chosen you, that God has loved and chosen you. Now, the connotation behind the Hebrew word tells us that it's a deliberation that goes into this choosing, that the one choosing is not just haphazardly just picking you know, people out uh, or making a decision. So in context, Adonai is declaring to the Jewish people, and that is the context of this passage, and we need to understand that. But what we are doing is pulling out the principles that apply to Jew and Gentile alike, to all of us, because there are spiritual principles that will apply to our lives, even though in context this is referring to what God promised to the Jewish people as a whole. And in context, he's telling the Jewish people that he chose them. He made a conscious decision to select them, to choose them for a select purpose. Evan talked about this again in his Devar Torah, that God has chosen each of us for a purpose. And the verse that he referred to is a verse here in my message from Jeremiah, Yirmiyahu 29, where God clearly tells us that his purpose is not to harm us. Okay? Can we hear that? God's purpose is not to harm us. So when anything comes against you that is bringing you pain or hurt or uh, destruction, you need to understand that that's not God. See, the truth of God's word says his plan is not to harm us. But the enemy will often make us point the finger at God when bad things start to happen in our life. Friends, we live in a fallen world uh, that at this season and time is under uh, the influence of the evil one, and bad things happen. And bad things happen even to good people. But those bad things are not God. God will not harm you. God does not do bad things to his people because his plan, as Evan read, is to give us a hope and a future. Hell wants to hurt you. Hell wants to take away your hope and your future. And today we are confronting that lie with this truth. And these are declarations that I'm going to make as we go through these seven things this morning. So to confront this deception of hell that God wants to harm you, God declares, I chose you before you were created in your mother's womb. I know you by name. I know every hair on your head, and my plans are always and only for your good. God declares, no matter what you are walking through right now, no matter how much pain you feel, no matter how discouraged you may be at at life, my purposes and my plans for good will prevail because that's who I am in my love towards you. That's the truth that God wants us to hear today to break through the lie of hell that said God is against you and God wants to hurt you. The second truth comes from verses 9 and 17 where God declares, I have not rejected or abandoned you. From the beginning of the book, from Bereshit, from the Torah to the New Covenant, Adonai reiterates this promise over and over again. We see in Devarim, Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 8, but Adonai, it is he who will go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you, so don't be afraid or disheartened. See, another lie that the enemy speaks to us is to say that God is not interested in what's happening. God's just left you. Yeshua says in Yochanan 14.8, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. 
When things go wrong in your life, it doesn't mean that God has left you. When difficulties and challenges arise, it doesn't mean that God is upset at you. As I said, we live in a fallen world where bad things happen. Hell can manipulate our circumstances. Hell whispers lies to us in the midst of these challenges, causing us to shrink back, feeling unworthy and thinking that we must have done something wrong and that we don't deserve God's love, we don't deserve his, deserve his attention, therefore God has left us, God has abandoned us, and God wants to break through that lie this morning and declare to you that I have not rejected you, I have not abandoned you. Let us turn to our neighbor and say, God has not rejected you. God has not abandoned you. These truths are important because lies are so easy to believe. And so to break this lie of hell, God declares this this morning. I have not rejected you. I have not, nor will I ever leave you, as I was with Abraham, Moses, David, Deborah, Hadassah, Miriam, Yochanan, and Kepha. He declares, so I am with you. I walk right beside you. Through every difficult situation, God declares, I am with you. Open your eyes to see me. You are not alone. That is the truth that we need to receive today to penetrate the lie of hell that tells us that God has forsaken us. Number three, from verse nine, God promises that he will help and support us. Another lie that hell successfully gets us to believe is that God doesn't want to help us, or even worse, that he won't help us. He supports this lie by telling us that we don't really matter in the scheme of things. There are so many other problems and issues in the world that are so much greater than what we're going through. Why would God take the time to, to deal with us? It's insignificant in his eyes. You're not important enough for God to step into your situation. Again, there are world issues that matter to God. Why would he care about the little thing that you are going through. These are the lies that hell tells us. But twice in this passage, God says, I will help you. I will support you. The Hebrew word here is a common word means azar, and it often carries the connotation of military assistance, which we see throughout the Hebrew scriptures that God delivers Israel militarily against her enemy. The Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the the Hebrew scriptures made uh, before the time of Messiah, translates azar most often with a word group that, that uh, covers the in general idea of running to the aid of one who cries out for help. Now, why is that important? Because, again, the enemy wants you to think that God is not going to help you. But this word here carries the connotation that he hears your cry for help and he is running to your side. He's running to assist and to aid you. He sees and he hears that you are crying out and that you are in need and that you are looking for uh, divine intervention. And contrary to the lies of hell which say God is not interested in you, this, these verses here are telling us that he may, is making a choice to actively run to our side to be there to help us to overcome in the situation we find ourselves in. Amen? Tehillim Psalms 46.1 says, But God is our refuge and strength 
an ever-present help in times of trouble. And then in Tehillim 54, verse 4, the psalmist says, But God is helping me. Adonai is my support. This is the truth that we need to grab hold of today. God is helping you. God is your support. Help may not appear the way you think it, it should come, though. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> when we look at the way that God helped the men and women in scriptures, it was not always the way that they were looking to for God to intervene. But God always helped. He always provided. He always supported the men and women throughout the scriptures. And he wants you to know that he is your helper, that he is your supporter today. And he wants to break this lie of hell. So exposing this falsehood, Adonai declares to us today, I am your helper. When you cry out to me, I will answer you. Through the difficulty and challenges, you can lean on me. My strength is greater than yours. Don't pull away from me, but draw near to me. Help is readily available to you. Shut the mouth of the devil and receive my strength to see you through this. Amen. The other thing that Adonai speaks to us today to confront the lies of hell is he encourages us three times in this passage, do not be afraid. This is one of the most repeated commands in the Bible. I mean, you read different articles, you know, someone says there's at least 365 times that God tells us not to be afraid, one for every day. There are a lot of instances where this is, is told to us in the scriptures. We are told uh, explicitly, do not fear. There are other times where it is implied through the situation and the story that is being told. God wants us to understand that fear is not from him. One writer said, fear is to Satan what faith is to God. Faith does God's work, and fear does Satan's work. Satan tries to put us on us the fear of death, the fear of failure, the fear of criticism, fear of losing, fear of embarrassment, fear of people, fear of the unknown, and on and on, all these different fears that he tries to put upon us. And what does fear do to us? It immobilizes us. It paralyzes us. It keeps us from going forward in whatever area of life it may be. And it makes us ineffective in life in general, and certainly for the kingdom of God. So that is why the enemy uses this strategy often and speaking lies to us to make us give in to fear because he knows that that fear will keep us from walking into the fullness of what God has for us. Friends, I want you to know that God has good for you. This is the truth, that the enemy is always trying to pull down in your mind, and he tries to do this by creating fear in your heart, fear that will keep you from all the good things that God has for you. But we are told in the scriptures, Yehoshua, Joshua, one night, one nine, God said to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And 2 Timothy 1.7 in the New Covenant, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love 
and of a sound mind. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has not given you a spirit of fear. So combating this lie of hell, this is the declaration that God makes today. God declares that fear is broken off you. He declares it will not control you. It will not manipulate you. Choose today to align with my truth, God says. I have given you a sound mind. Choose today to break the yoke of that bondage with my help. God declares fear no more. Freedom from fear in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Number five. I have three more here. God declares in this passage that he will lead us into victory over the enemy. It says, all those who were angry with you will be disgraced, put to shame. Those who fought against you will be destroyed and brought to nothing. Now, we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood. If not, I'm reminding you. (laughs) Our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers of darkness, okay? There is a lot going on in this room right now that you cannot see. And I'm going to tell you right now, hell doesn't want you to receive this message. So he's doing whatever he can to distract you, to keep you from being engaged, because he knows there is power in the truth of God's word being proclaimed. So our battle is not against one another. It's not against flesh and blood, but these principalities and powers of darkness. And throughout uh, the Tanakh, we see the prophets, especially like Jeremiah and Isaiah, confronting the lies of the enemy that constantly taunted Israel, telling her that she was too weak to win the battle. And the enemy wants you and me to think that he is more powerful than we are. Do you understand that? So he, he feeds these little lies, saying that you're weak. Our family was discussing this week, either from Josiah's class or Michael's class, that someone said that we had derived our belief in the devil from Zoroastrianism, which says that there are two equal beings, good and evil. And so we're discussing how that is obviously not true, and that the scriptures make it quite clear that Satan is not equal to God. Okay? Can you turn and declare that to your neighbor? Satan is not equal to God. He is a created being, as Miles said. He is not omnipotent. He is not omnipresent. He is not more powerful than you. Hello? He is not more powerful than you. He's created like you are. But you have more power than him. Why? Because the word tells us greater is he who is in us than he, meaning Satan, who is in the world. But Satan wants you to think that you are weak and that he is strong. No, 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 no. You are strong and he is weak. And he doesn't want you to grab hold of that truth because when you grab hold of that truth, you will defeat him and his lies in your life. Colossians 2.15, we are told that Yeshua, after his death on the tree of sacrifice, when he rose from the dead, it says he disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the tree of sacrifice. 
That is the truth that we need to declare in the uh, face of the lies of the enemy that wants us to think that we are weak and unable to overcome him. He wants you and I to walk around in defeat. He gloats over making us feel as if there is no hope for our situation. How often do we see this in the scriptures? Look at how Goliath taunted David. What? What, what, what are you sending me? This little kid? Are you kidding me? I will defeat him in a second. He is no match for me. The enemy taunts you and I in the same way. You're no match for me. Think about Nehemiah when he went to rebuild the wall and Sanballat and his friends. What did they do? They taunted Nehemiah and all those working, saying, what are you doing? It's just rubbles here. You will never, ever be successful. But Nehemiah didn't listen to those lies, did he? And what happened? He had success. He finished the job that God called him to do in building that wall around Jerusalem. See, the enemy doesn't want you to fulfill God's destiny on your life. And I'm here to tell you that you have a destiny and you have a purpose. You are here for a reason. And it's not just to occupy space on planet Earth, just in case you were wondering. And hell wants to thwart those purposes and plans for your life. So he will do whatever he can to make you feel like you are not strong, make you feel like he is more powerful than you. He wants you to give up. He wants you to think things will never change so that giving up is your only option. The enemy's good at what he does. He's been doing it for a long time. And often, as believers, we buy right into his lies, which leave us with a defeatist attitude because we feel the battle is already over. Turn to your neighbor and say, the battle's not over. Anyone feel like you're being um, in a battle lately? All right. Besides me. <laughs> the battle is not over. See, hell wants us to think it's over. Just give up. Just give in. It's not, again, it's never going to change, never going to get better, never, never, never. And we declare today that the battle is not over. Because our God is greater, and he has called us to walk in victory. Amen? So confronting the enemy and his lie that he is greater and that we cannot defeat him, God declares this to you and me. He declares, it is not over for you. He declares, I am greater and more powerful than Satan and any force of darkness and his plans to destroy you and my purpose for your life. God declares, I will lead you to victory. Satan thought he had won when Yeshua died on the tree, but that was only the beginning of his defeat. God declares victory is yours for every area of your life. Do not listen to the lies of the enemy. Amen. Number six, God promises to pour out his spirit, which will bring life into those areas that hell says never about. Again, the enemy wants us to give up on our dreams, to give up on God's promises to us, and that is why he uses that word never. He is the thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Yeshua came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Amen. So a modern translation of that verse from Yochanan John 10.10 says this, A thief has only one thing in mind. 
He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow. That is God's truth to speak into our lives today. Amen? In verse 18 of our passage here in Isaiah, God says, I will open up rivers, rivers on the barren hills and wells down in the broad valleys. I will turn the desert into lakes and dry ground into springs. River speaks of life. River speaks of the Ruach HaKodesh. We are in the counting of the Omer leading up to Shavuot. Last night finished the two weeks of our count. Okay, 14 days of the 50 days that we are counting the Omer. This counting of the Omer is in anticipation of Shavuot and the outpouring of his spirit. The spirit of God brings life. Life into our our situation. He breathes, right? God breathed life into Adam when he created him. That is his Ruach he breathed into him. And God is telling us that he wants to breathe life into our situation right now. He wants to pour out his spirit, those rivers of living water that will take what is dead, what is barren, and will make it to flourish once again. Can someone say amen? Amen. This is God's desire for us. Hell says never, never, never. God says it will happen. Life is coming to you. So exposing this lie, God declares, what is barren and dry will now come to life. God declares, for beauty, I will give you ashes. I will restore your marriage. I will breathe life into it. I will restore the years eaten by the locusts. I will make that which is dead alive with my spirit. I will flow into every area, sweeping away the lies of hell, reviving and restoring every area of your life to align with the abundant life that I have chosen to give to you. That's the truth that God declares this morning over our lives and over this congregation. Amen. And finally, looking at verses 19 and 20, tying in with what we just said, God declares to us that he will bring us into his promises. Verse 19 through 20 speaks of the restoration to the land, which we will celebrate, as I said, next week in Yom Ha'atzma'ut. God promised to bring Israel back, to bring the Jewish people back uh, to the land. And um, as we commemorated Yom HaShoah this past week, we reminded that ourselves that in every generation there was someone who sought to annihilate the Jewish people, but God always preserved and protected. And out of the ashes of the Holocaust, the modern nation of Israel was born as a testimony to this passage right here in Isaiah when he says, I will restore the land and bring the people back. Hell wants you and me to give up on the promises of God. Once again, Satan uses these words, never. It's too late. You missed your opportunity. It will never happen for you or your family. Friends, these are lies from hell. God's promises are yes and amen in Messiah Yeshua. Several scriptures on this point here. Joshua 21, verse 45. Not one, say that with me, not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed Everyone was fulfilled. 
Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah 1.12, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Lamentations 2.17, the Lord has done what he planned. He has fulfilled his word, which he decreed long ago. Ezekiel 12.28, therefore say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, none of my words will be delayed any longer. Whatever I say will be fulfilled declares the sovereign Lord. Friends, as I said a while ago, it is not over. It does not matter how long you have been waiting for the promise. It doesn't matter how desperate uh, uh, the situation may seem. It doesn't matter how dim the promise has grown in your mind or in your heart. It doesn't matter how little hope you have remaining. God wants you to know that he always, can you say that with me, always fulfills his promise. He is the first and the best promise keeper. He never breaks his word. He always fulfills his promise. So combating this lie of hell that says you will never see God's promise fulfilled in your lie, God declares this this morning. He says, I am the great I am, and I have never broken a promise. He declares, I have always done what I said I would do. The promises that you have not yet seen fulfilled in your life will be fulfilled. He says, I will bring it about. I will bring back your prodigals. I will save your children. I will heal you. I will restore your finances. I will bring revival. I will bring many Jewish people through the doors of this synagogue who will come to know their Messiah. I will fulfill my word in your life. He continues to say, hell wants to make you give up, but I call you today to stand up to him and to confront his lies. I call you to walk in the victory that was obtained for you by Yeshua's death on the tree of sacrifice. Yeshua says, I declare no more lies. God says, know the truth of who I am and what I say in my word, because that truth will set you free. In Yeshua's name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that your word is alive and active and powerful, God. And as you have just encouraged us, it always accomplishes your purpose. So, God, we hear your call today to take a stand, God, against every lie that the enemy has been tormenting us with. And so today, God, we choose to hear your word and we choose to align ourselves with your truth and confront every lie of hell, God. I pray pray that we will see breakthrough and release this week as we all rise up to take authority over the enemy of our souls, to confront his lies with the truth of who you are and what you declare in your word, that we would see victory uh, manifested in our lives. And I thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Again, we have our bagel oneg upstairs on the mezzanine. We'd like to invite you to stay. Uh, bagels, coffee, birthday cake for the birthdays for the month of May, and uh, a good time of fellowship. So I'll just close with the the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord uh, lift up his face upon you and uh, his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may you walk in great joy, great victory, and in the truth of who God is and what he declares over you. In Yeshua's name. God bless you. We'll see you upstairs. Shabbat shalom.